0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, guys, and welcome to episode
1: 14 of Travel Talks, where this week I'm joined by Chris Hamill, who you might know from the popular football YouTube channel, Football Daily. Travel has played a key role in Chris's whole life. He grew up in Leicester, but has since moved to London. In his adult life, he has coached football to kids in Ghana, studied filmmaking in New York City, and been immersed in football fan culture in India. So this episode really should have something for everyone. It's taken a few years for me to kind of realize how cool and unique that experience was. Even mm. when I was out there, you know, you sit on the back of a crocodile, you're thinking this is this is stupid, this is <laughs> mental. I think when you yeah, you've got that sense of wonderment and adventure in you and you and you think the possibilities are endless. You think that sort of thing might happen every every other year, but it doesn't. And you know, a week later, I'm playing football with him and his mates, like on an AstroTurf pitch, surrounded by the New York skyline, which wow. is still like a site that lives with me. I lived near the O2 Academy originally, so yep. it was pretty, pretty noisy, but yeah, I left my front imagine. door and I was like 50 yards from a nightclub, 100 yards from a Caribbean restaurant, 70 yards from a Nando's. I ended up get, having, like, three beers with Carlos Poyol in, in the in the back garden. And I was just like, this is absolutely bizarre. And he was, like, sat, stood there with his arm around me, like, apologising for his English being bad. And I was like, don't worry about it, Carlos. Like, yeah, that, you know, that that's fine, buddy. Chris, great to have you on the podcast. Great to catch up, one anything? How are you doing? I'm absolutely superb, thank you, mate. Like I told you earlier, currently on my day off, ticking off some... Uh, Pro bono work, let's call it. And (laughs) now you gave me a month's notice, which is pretty decent (laughs) of you. So it would have been dreadful for not to be available for today, but uh, I'm looking forward to catching up with you, mate. Yeah, me too, man. Appreciate you taking the time, especially on your day off. So I'm going to go in with a question I ask everyone to start the podcast off and that is how important is travel to you yeah i'd say increasingly so because you realize sort of approaching your late 20s when there's certain expectations put on you either by you know a partner uh, you've had for a a very long time uh, (laughs) 10 years in my case over 10 years so the expectations are pretty reasonable um that you have quite a small window to to do what you want uh to be a little bit selfish and Mm. sort of traveling is is part of that not to say you can't do it after of course a lot of people Mm. make it work for them at any stage of life but being quite flippant with it being quite spontaneous let's say Mm. uh, that window gets a bit smaller so it is important and when i was you know a little bit younger i sort of um you know obsessed with the movies loved indiana jones Mm. loved uh american films uh sort of liked american films from the 70s and 80s as well weirdly so i always you know found myself thinking about these far-off lands these far-off places and that only kind of fueled the the wanting right the sense of adventure so yeah it, it is pretty important but i have weirdly enough i think i've become a little bit a little bit more scared as i've got older okay you know when i was 15 16 didn't mind scuba diving in some fucking awful <laughs> mine ex mine shaft in, in leicester like you used, to, you used to be fearless and then i think you lose certain people in your life and you become a little bit more scared uh, so it, it maybe gets harder to like i'm going south next year not to not to already go off on on yep. a tangent no go but, off. um you know everyone's <laughs> already talking about shark cage diving yeah my initial instinct was yes let's do it that sounds <laughs> class but now i'm just inevitably i'm like the sharks getting in the cage it's gonna yeah. be you that, that happens to yeah um so little things like that i maybe have more kind of twisted darker thoughts which mm. are harder to wrestle with let's say but um no importantly no i think that happens when you're a kid you're just not scared of anything are you so no. to take it all the way back to that childhood what was travel like for you as a child did you go away on many trips abroad not loads my dad had a strong affinity with france so we'd mm. often find ourselves in france i suppose the s- strongest childhood memories uh, regarding travel is, was maybe on the english coast we went on a couple of holidays to see my cousin in almeria the southern like tip of spain mm. pretty much you know north africa mm. a time when it was really undeveloped you know i don't think that the football club was in the, the top three divisions let's say mm. and it was just like um quite rural uh so i have some quite sh- strong memories with with almeria as well you used You to own a bar so you know you'd be introduced to all the regulars um it was f- 60 meters from the sea the nice. sea was pretty warm and like pretty volatile as well which is quite you know fun to play in before mm. you know you're old enough to learn about things like riptides because riptides <laughs> will fucking kill you alex yeah so <laughs> so, so yeah like Al- almeria france but um but we used to go to Cromer quite a lot. I think it's in Hunstanton. Yeah. And when I was younger, maybe I was just, you know, a, a quite a low maintenance child. Like I have stronger memories of that than something like Disneyland Paris, mm-hmm. because it's like, you know, the, the, the peers, miserable English weather being in a caravan. It's quite novel, I suppose yeah, when you're yeah. a kid and there's like a little world war two X memorabilia shop there. I accidentally bought a, a, I bought a hat, not accidentally, um, <laughs> but didn't realize it was it was from the fascist side of oh, right. the of <laughs> of that particular war and wore it you know proudly as a as a 10 year old marching through through chrome of the streets of huntsant and not realizing i was um you know wearing a ex german officer's hat so right. some pretty funny memories there <laughs> but I just I, I, I don't know I just maybe associated that with um get, getting away and, and it just it just feeling like really different yeah so I wanted to move on to a stage in your life which I think came chronologically before we talk about New York and that's coaching football in Ghana is that correct that is correct mate yeah way before way before New York we'll go chronological then so nice for a guy that's you say yourself spent holidays in England, been to Almeria. How did the idea of going to Ghana to coach football come about? Really randomly, uh, and it's one of those things where if I hadn't gone to university, you know, it's definitely not something I would have pursued uh, mm. or would have maybe yeah, just been given the opportunity. Maybe "pursued" is the wrong word. Um, a guy, an ex-student from Nottingham, he, I think he'd been graduated four or five years by the time he put this event on. Uh, let's say, and it coincided with my second year. And it was about living with a family in Ghana for, you know, two, three months, wow. doing a form of volunteering of, of your choice. So you could kind of tailor, make the experience to, to what you wanted to do. And me and my flatmate, Sean, roommate, Sean, were just like, yeah, we'll keep it simple. We'll, we'll coach football. Uh, by the way, they, you know, did not need our minimal footballing expertise. They were absolutely outstanding when we got out there, like really innovative, uh, really well drilled. Obviously Ghana is a football nation that is steeped, you know, in, in, great pedigree great footballing pedigree um so it was more of a i suppose a novelty for the kids we were coaching and we were out there right because in, in some of the cities like kamazi we we went to some of the other names escape me the more smaller remote villages we tended to be in the north mm-hmm. um they hadn't seen you know these young kids hadn't seen a white person before so like we were happy to be that novelty for them <laughs> but yeah it, it just came about literally notice board stuff looked cool um, went to a few meetings the people that went that went there that were also interested in it pretty interesting characters themselves and it turned out to be the only year they did it at the University really? of Nottingham yeah like I think they had ambitions to make it a a yearly thing mm. but it turned out to be the the only year and it was it's taken a few years for me to kind of realize how cool and unique that experience was even mm. when I was out there you know you sit on the back of a crocodile you're thinking this is this is stupid this is <laughs> mental um it's it's not something you I think when you've, yeah, you've got that sense of wonderment and adventure at you in your uni and you think the possibilities are endless. Mm. You, you think that sort of thing might happen every, every other year, but it doesn't. Uh, mm. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was, it was great, man. Like I'd, I'd recommend it to anyone, the people we live with, unbelievable. So just mm. generous. And um, the guy was called Mr. Hattie, real eccentric, Um, you know, elaborate dress sense, had a peacock, had an antelope. Wow. The, the Mother there, it was called Moda, which I, I think is Ghanaian for for mother. We didn't realise we were calling <laughs> her mother at the time, but it was just just referred to as Moby. Yeah, yeah, three or four kids. Uh, just all really welcoming, you know, and, and a week in you just find yourself sat around the TV watching like Nigerian X Factor, like Amazing. it's like it's nothing. And it's it's it was great, man. It was really good. To go into a bit more detail on that, you're there for three months, your living conditions, you're living with a family then. Mm. So where were you sleeping at night? Was it a real culture shock for you? Yeah, but it's something you you know, you arrive and you know you feel uncomfortable and you and you mm. are f- filled with doubt because we we went to Accra, which is the capital, mm. and then we got a bus all the way up north to where we were um staying and that in itself like the capital is not a massive culture shock obviously there's, there's like little sh- there's shanties and there is poverty that you you know you don't witness in in the uk mm. but there's still like the basic uh, amenities or not even you know basic in most cases but then that bus journey takes you into like the wilderness mm. cultural wilderness let's say And you leave everything you know, and you're just diving head on into something you've never encountered before. And there was a bit of trepidation, particularly when you stop overnight in a not a hotel. I don't even know how to describe just a room, just a a white room with with you know beds where the mat. You know, there's 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 cockroaches pinging about, and and you think what I've jumped into the the deep end here, the proverbial deep end, and I've got nowhere to go. Um, So you you kind of have no other option but to suck it up but then the more you kind of more you offload that tension and and open your you know receptors to 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 other things like the, the easier it gets and fundamentally I would like to think we stayed with the best host. Mister Hattie was the, mm-hmm. in, in my eyes, the you know the most generous, caring man in in, in the whole continent at that, at that point. But um, you know he would do little things to make you feel at home. Little fried egg sandwiches in the morning with his own little twist on it, like shaving green peppers in the white, nice. in the, which I which I'd never seen before. Um, there was a little cheese out there called Wagashi that was deep fried in the street, sort of a Amazing. bit like kalumi, mm. which would kind of. Fetch on the way home, we'd learn to love. There was a stall opposite us where the woman, um, who we used to buy a Coke off every day, and you take the bottles back, right? Because if they return the bottles to the factory, they'd get money for okay, that. Yeah. You know, eventually we just arrived at a deal where she'd just drop six Cokes off at our, at our house <laughs> every morning. Like she'd send one of the kids over and then we'd send them back with the money, then we'd bring the bottles back. And hmm. you know, you build a little relationship there. Obviously, the English is, is pretty good. Uh, I mean, to historical circumstances in a lot of instances. So, you know, you're trying to take 20, 30 kids for a football session, uh, and lo and behold, it's 12 o'clock. It's blazing sun smashing down mm. on you midday. You start to feel faint, and you know, you being Johnny Foreigner, I have to go and sit under a tree while, <laughs> they, while these kids just do what they want with, with a football. <laughs> so, there's so so many positives from that trip. It sounds like a mm. great experience, but obviously going from England to Ghana, you're going to see poverty, which you've said you've not seen before. Mm. And it's probably going to be a bit of an eye-opening experience. Did you learn anything from that which you've taken on to your life going forward? Yeah, definitely. My dad, when I was younger, used to say like, this house is a castle and you just don't appreciate it. Mm. And I think it's then that you kind of, you know, you hear at moments like that, you hear that voice, you know, Mm. my dad's voice saying that and it, it all kind of clicks into place. And it is, you know you have a heightened appreciation for for what you've got that might be a little bit transient it might you know come and go but like most well-traveled people will say and it does ring very true the the poorest people are generally the people who go out of their way to to do Mm. the most Mm. for you in that instance um that that's that's what i found maybe not to you, you subconsciously have a bias you subconsciously judge people by the immediate physical surroundings I don't think we can help it it's a form of of survival right but you learn to appreciate I guess the nuance a little bit more when you stay there when you appreciate you know these people Mm. uh, are sometimes just victims of circumstance and the only thing that's really separating you is Uh, the fact you were fortunate enough to be born in a more affluent, you know, country. And you you kind of fundamentally have the same principles where we were staying. It was um, a very mixed community as well. There was uh, Muslims, Christians, the mosques would go off at four o'clock in the morning, you know, and I wouldn't always appreciate that. I have my (laughs) pillow pillow over the top of my head thinking I've got a coach, like whole village uh, in about two hours. And I've not even thought of, you know, a a training regime, Never mind being woken up at four o'clock, but you just, um, I think it takes, you know, two or three weeks to, to really uh, become a porous and just kind of soak in your surroundings. But, but yeah, I, I, th- I think just a heightened appreciation for, for how mostly normal pe- pe- people are, how mostly normal most people are. Mm. Amazing. And to move on from one massive life experience to another involving travel, you studied in New York. And mm. that just seems incredible to me. I wondered if you could give the listeners some insight into what it was you studied and also why New York. Yeah. Le- less incredible when you consider the the circumstances, like I was uh, working in Leicester for a couple of years at an advertising agency. I'd kind of um, had enough, even before my dad passed away. And that was what prompted me to say, listen, my grandma's left me X amount of money. Like I'm not going to use it for a deposit like was earmarked for me in five, 10 years time. I'm just going to use it now to do something for myself that I think will probably grow me professionally and personally, and mm. will hopefully, you know, benefit me in the long run. So I used, use my grandma's money to, to attend a nine week filmmaking course at the New York film Academy, which, you know, unlike traditional schools, is like we have these terms you can, effectively buy a term yeah you can do it annually doing it annually is very expensive (laughs) i'd love to have gone there for a year but it's probably upwards of like 30 grand so um not something on my radar uh yeah exactly so i was like i'll go and do a term i'll go to the nine week filmmaking course i'll stay out there for you know a week before maybe a week and a bit after and yeah it was it was absolutely class it was like everything i wanted it to be and, and and more but it could have easily gone the other way it could have been a much more difficult trip Mm. I'd like to think I'd have made the most of it, r- regardless. But I just so happened to, you know, pick an Airbnb where there was another student at the film school there, Toby oh, from Switzerland. Yeah, he'd been there, he'd been there for some months already, so sort of knew the ropes. Really nice guy. Still speak to him now. I uh, spoke to him, you know, last week actually. He's just had a daughter. Amazing. Uh, so you know, making yeah, making f- friends for life there, and I- walking into this eccentric sort of setup owned by this woman called leah uh, she referred to the the house as the tree house on <laughs> on airbnb so i knew I was, I was going into bohemian surroundings let's say and just there was a saxophonist brazilian saxophonist called like, hosway asleep on the sofa didn't know you know who he was obviously when i walked in got the lowdown in the morning from toby that this is a guy that He plays the local jaunts, bars, Mm. uh, dive bars and whatever, and then uses Leah's place to crash every now and then. (laughs) And, and, you know, a week later, I'm playing football with him and his mates, like on an AstroTurf pitch, surrounded by the New York skyline, which is still like a sight that lives with me. And, yeah, this portly Brazilian saxophone is teaching me an absolute lesson at football, (laughs) I thought. Looking at his, looking at his smattered looking at his chubby little belly, thought, I'm going to be, I'm going to have a good game there. Like his, his friends, it's quite similar, a little bit older, but now just seasoned veterans, uh, uh, mostly with South American and just sending me for hot dogs on the regular. But yeah, I couldn't recommend the, the filmmaking course highly enough. And, and what just to tap into to the motive a little bit more wasn't only owing to grief, it was also a little bit of, regret at not doing a more practical filmmaking course at university. So I picked the university over the course when I went to university and the university of Nottingham was in a, the top 10 in the UK. I've been accepted and didn't read all that much into the course, like the campus, like, yeah, like the university, the idea it was only an hour, hour and a half away in the car f- from home. That is. And um, I just went for it. And when I finally got to university and I was doing a lot of theory, a lot of essay writing, I wasn't motivated. I've recently revisited some of the work I did and it was piss poor. And it was just because it wasn't it wasn't really what I wanted to do. So that was kind of making amends for that, I guess, uh, a couple of years later as well. Brilliant. And we've had so many people say that New York is their favourite city. So to have Mm. someone on who's lived there is incredible. Do you feel like you made the most of living in the city, which many people describe as the best city in the world? Did you go out on many nights out? Did you go to all the amazing restaurants and see all the tourist attractions? (laughs) Well, yes and no. I actually didn't do many of the tourist attractions because you you were out in school six days a week. So it was a little bit inhibiting, I guess, from from that sense. And it it cost a lot of money. So I wasn't doing loads while I was out there, Mm. as in you know, Rockefeller Center and we did Ground Zero and, and stuff, but you were doing little things that you just wouldn't have done otherwise because you were with a group of classmates or yeah. because you were with housemates that had, you know, a big Italian bloke called Frank come over and made his, you know, the best meatballs I've ever had. And Amazing. And his advice was just like, I asked him, you know, what's, give me one good cooking tip. And he just said, (laughs) leave it in a tomato sauce for as long as is humanly possible before you serve it. So that's one thing that will stick with me as well. But, as part of the course, we had to make five little films, mm. and you had to because you were in a team of five, and you had to produce one, direct one, okay, write one. So you you touched all the components of filmmaking, right? Amazing. So it was to, the idea is to give you a well-rounded experience, and that's that's quite intense to do in you know three or four weeks. That wasn't the entirety of the course, mm. so you feel like you're maybe not getting to see the sights, but at the same time, I'm also at a veteran's home in, in Harlem, you know, interviewing some guy and it's just not an experience you get being a tourist mm. or going to Queens or what, I mean, where I was Brooklyn, like renting a little apartment in Brooklyn to shoot in Brooklyn. And it was all geared towards film. Like I wasn't really asked about the travel aspects because mm. I was here to, I was here to learn, learn my, what I wanted to be my craft, right? But you just do it in the process, and maybe you realise that a little bit later. But but yeah, having someone like being taken to a little Brazilian dive bar where they have like um oh what is the cocktail? It's kashasha kusha, is the is the main ingredient, right? Um, I'm yep. I'm talking about the one. This sometimes happens to me. I'm, I'm going insane. Um, <laughs> it's, it's lime. It's sugar. I think it's kashasha and maybe something else but you know just having them for the first time like mm. properly for the first time and and stuff like that is is not things you tend to forget it's, i would love to go back obviously and and mm. and and do do some more touristy things but i think i would yeah i'd like to stay for another like elongated amount of time yeah because it's it's quite I, f- I think i think it's insurmountable in like a week or a, or a long weekend Completely agree. It sounds to me like you saw the real New York as well. So maybe you didn't do the tourist attractions, but you saw things of New York, which tourists just simply wouldn't be able to do. And that was only owing to other people's generosity, right? Which is, I think, one consistent theme that probably goes through most... I wouldn't even consider myself that well-traveled at this point you know you meet people who are, who are truly well-traveled mm. and i think they rely on the generosity and spirit of others to enhance their experience mm. right so you are kind of you do put yourself in the hands of, of of other people and if you you know do so willingly i think more often than not you you stand to, to benefit from it obviously there's there's horror stories and whatnot mm. but they're, they're, they only happen at a, a, a fraction of the time it would seem. So I'd just yes, yeah, say trust, trust the natives to to do you a solid more often than not. Lovely. And I want to move on now to Football Daily because it's where most people will know you from. But the origin Mm. stories to you joining Football Daily are quite interesting. I've heard you speak about staying on a mate's floor when you first arrived in London. I wondered if you'd give us some insight into that first experience of living in London. Because obviously growing up in Leicester, the contrast between Leicester and London must have been vast for you. Yeah. I mean, London was straight after New York. So London's the only English city that compares, right? Mm. So... It wasn't a huge, a huge transition, I guess, from from what I'd just been through, and, and Leicester's you know small but but mm. busy and and industrious, but I, I had no money. I saw this job on production base. I didn't want to do it for long. The plan was not to be here for five years. <laughs> I'd be talking to you today, Alex. It was <laughs> get three to six months worth of pay, see where you are after that, and take take things as they are. Mm. Uh, so no grand long term plan. That sort of, you know, germinated into football daily. Mm. Yeah, sleeping on my friend's floor, not fun. Very, not, very kind of him and his girlfriend to put me up for five months. I did, I did five tell them months. it was one to two months, but got pretty, com- pretty comfortable there. It was intense, I guess, to start off with, particularly, I think they're moving out into my own uh, flat on spare room and there being no real compelling reason. To come home, which leads because my girlfriend was still living in Leicester, it becomes it fuels an unhealthy working pattern, (laughs) which I suppose helped helped us make uh, good on football daily. Right, It, it was fueled by an unhealthy kind of obsession to to reach a million subscribers or to reach. 1.5 it's it's not quite as intense as it used to be now thank god but um yeah i think that definitely helped the fact that i i was going home to see my girlfriend at at the weekend or you know every other weekend but from 7 till 10 you know a.m till 10 p.m every day it was like i this is my opportunity to make this work so i've like a small time in which to do it but you know long hours so that that definitely helped Oh, I'm not sure I'd recommend that to anyone. No, yeah. I remember seeing you guys working your absolute bollocks off, like grafting into the evening. Maybe we'd come to visit you guys in your office. It'd be like eight (laughs) PM and all you boys are still in, just editing and grafting away one of the hardest working groups of people i know. Oh, thanks mate, appreciate that. But um you're looking at videos of me like in those first two years and just looking ill, like looking like we worked, worked long hours, mm. eyes, shit haircuts. I mean it was still an independent <laughs> before Sky bought us, so yeah. shit pay as well. Like yeah, we started started on, you know, 22 grand which does not get you very far in London mm. whatsoever, particularly when you've just spent all of your fucking money in New York. <laughs> so there is the what there was that but I guess, you know, it paved the way for, for positive things. If it hadn't, and you asked me, you know, was it worth it? Obviously, that's difficult to gauge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just fortunate enough that it did go our way. So, yeah, the start was, yeah, it was, it was rough. But I think most, most small independent companies have a story like that, right? Absolutely. And of course, London, like New York, is one of the greatest cities in the world. Big time. I think, yeah, everyone would agree that. What would you say is your favourite thing about living in London? It's a good question it's a very good question because there's a lot of things i don't know whether that is this is indicative of like the cynic that i've become but the things you don't like about london spring to my own quicker which is like the rent the commuting but like i just the variety like you don't get the variety anywhere else and mm. contrary to you know twitter and the news it does just coexist most of the time absolutely perfectly i i remember telling my mom that I was going to live in Brixton and she was absolutely mortified because the, the version of Brixton she was imagining me living in was um, a volatile one from, from the eighties where, you know, riots happened. Yeah. Well, I don't know if, if they happened regularly, but when they did, they were, they were, they were big, weren't they? Mm. And I didn't have that any, any preconceptions and just went down there and I've, I've not, you know, still live in the area mm. five years later and absolutely love it. And Leicester had a huge Indian population and it's it's got a big you know a fairly big Polish population, a Somalian population, um, but never like a Caribbean one. Mm. So that that was all fairly new to me and interesting to learn and just to be immersed in you know the market culture of Brixton and the the culinary delights down here, mate. Like it's yeah. you can leave your front door and. I lived near the O2 Academy originally. So yep. it was pretty pretty noisy. But yeah, I left my front door and I was like 50 yards from a nightclub, a hundred yards from a, a Caribbean restaurant, 70 yards from a Nando's, everything. I think that's that's a good sort of distillation of London. Yeah. You go from you go from going to the the horse and trumpet in Leicester, you know, one of your mates picks you up, it's the nearest pub, it's 20 minutes away, there's nothing much else to do. You go from that to having everything at your fingertips or yeah. everything being half an hour away. And it's it does take you a while to to, to, to be in a position to take advantage of that, unless you've got rich parents, etc so you kind of have to you know you're like looking through the the glass <laughs> so to speak to start off with like oh look at those cocktails they look nice a 12 pound <laughs> a cocktail i will not be buying yeah. you know one of them <laughs> until i have been promoted three times um so yeah you kind of have to grit your teeth and, and bear it but uh i imagine it's an even harder city to to like live in or come up in um there is advantages from you know i think from you know coming from Leicester to to london mm. yeah it's it's the, I, I, I love the intensity and the variety, mate. Unrivaled. Absolutely.
0: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zeppound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: And of course, travel has played a big role in your working career as well. So with Football Daily, you've been fortunate enough to travelled to so many different locations and before this I just uh, made a list of all the different places you've been so interviewed <laughs> Oblak and Griezmann in Madrid yeah. Puyol and Del Piero in Bali yeah. Thomas Muller in Munich and interviewed Virat Kohli in Goa I wanted to ask yeah. you is there anyone I've missed firstly because that's an incredible list I think I think Oblack and um, Griezmann Griezmann wasn't an interview by the way because he didn't speak English so well, I got like a photo with him and then they were like oh, is really? there anything else yeah they were like is there anything else you want to do and we were like <laughs> nope <laughs> actually no we said we actually got him to do a swipe up thing on instagram oh, okay nice and he was absolutely delighted that we were doing an interview with him like so much so that he was like rubbing my shoulders on the way out patting me really? out that's just like yeah because wow. he was because it was just like a little break in his schedule there was, there's nothing we could do for him i wish i could speak fluent french but i can't yeah there's yeah there's been there's been several less glamorous ones as well Yes, you know, interviews in, in Bournemouth, getting off at Bournemouth train station, like with a cameraman <laughs> thinking, you know, holding a tripod and a bag, like, where the fuck do we go now? Uh, <laughs> uh, in Wolverhampton. But yeah, you're right. Very, very fortunate. And again, wh- wh- when you're doing them, those interviews, sometimes like I regret how, sh- how stressed I was doing them, right? Because you're so fixated on getting the content in the bag you know, getting it saved to a hard drive, multiple yeah. hard yeah. drives, uh, making sure it's in focus, making sure the sound's gone fine, making sure you've got the brand messaging in, making sure you're not made a tit of yourself. Like the worst one we did was, was in Marseille with Balotelli. Like okay. we were promised five, 10 minutes of Balotelli and he just didn't know. And they were just, right. said, can you, you know, can, can you do it now? And we just sat there with the equipment. Like, what, what do you mean, can we do it now? And it was the worst conditions to shoot an interview in, but, we also did uh, Hagerberg, the 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 ballon d'or winner, the, the female uh, ballon d'or winner, and mm. she was lovely, man. She was such a, a nice, a nice woman that kind of made made up for the Ballotelli <laughs> fiasco. But also a lot of those opportunities we had to carve out for ourselves, and they are quite bizarre how we got to them. <laughs> like Pat had a friend that worked at Allianz. Allianz had like ten minutes with Thomas Muller, and we got half of that time Uh, and it was yeah so bizarre bizarre how we got there but each of them little trips are my it feels like kind of recognition or justification Mm. for you know all the all the hard work you put in because they are the cool little marks milestones you remember for sure absolutely is traveling with work something that you enjoy i wish i enjoyed it more Mm. like it was like um so like i said previously little bit anal obviously like to be in control like to be organized and traveling to shoot something doesn't necessarily facilitate that mm. i mean when we went out to indonesia as well with work to, to do the whole uh, heineken thing and the whole time i think heineken also own what's the san miguel right yes. they own san miguel and i knew that san miguel were looking for a europa league partner while we're out there so obviously, I spend most of my time trying to convince the guys that they should opt for Football Daily as part of their Europa League partnership with Sam Miguel. I think it ultimately ended up going with Copper Knighty, eh? classic. But um, <laughs> but instead of kind of just taking in my surroundings, I was I was in work mode, and you just think if you want more of this, you this is this is how I feel like I've got to be, which isn't necessary. There's a little bit of truth in that, but it's not the whole truth. So. So it's not totally relaxing and sometimes it is a matter of airport hotel yeah sleep interview morning fly back like with the John uh, John O'Black that's his brother John O'Black <laughs> it, that that was pretty much it although we did sneak in a nice little meal after the interview but this I will say the sense of relief after you've got everything it's that you buzz. need to get is is like unparalleled yeah when you've the camera angle look both camera angles look fresh you're not overly exposed the sound is crisp (laughs) everyone's in focus you've delivered a flawless brand plug at the start you are you actually start they're the things that reaffirm you know you wanting to be a presenter or interviewer or content Mm. creator you you know that's where you kind of sometimes maybe take note of the progression nice and you say you don't get much downtime on these trips something i've experienced as well so i know that to be only too Mm. true but do you have any takeaways from trips that you've been on which have been things you've enjoyed in your downtime i mean indonesia was cool man like we landed in Jakarta, we went to Surabaya, Surabaya. Okay. Yeah. And I suppose like learning about Thai football culture on those little trips or stopping and speaking to people was, was cool and, you know, tasting the street food Mm. and uh, going to see, see landmarks. I I think obviously it also gives you an appreciation for how global (laughs) the Premier League is as a product as well. Yeah. We're uh, walking around Surabaya and seeing just Manchester United, Chelsea, uh, Liverpool shirts. It does give you a, a heightened sense of how important it is, uh, how how big it is on a global scale. And and you know these got these people are just football, essentially. You know a lot of them are football fans, just like yourself, mm. who 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 give it far. You know too much too much thought in their day to day lives, just like just like you. <laughs> so I, I think in. in those little moments in between those little moments of reprieve are oh, great, but it'd be quite easy just to kind of use that to relax instead of explore. So I would say, you know, if you get the opportunity to do something on a work trip where right, the easy option is now I'm going to stay and have a meal at the, mm. at the hotel because I'm tired. I don't want to go and, and do this. For example, in Indonesia, they said, you know, do you want to go to the, uh, the rat party at the, at the end with, with Heineken? And it was, and I ended up get, having like three beers of Carlos Puyol in, in, the, in the back garden. I know, and, I was, and I was just like, this is absolutely bizarre. And he was like, sat, stood there with his arm around me, like apologising for his English being bad. And I was like, don't worry about it, Carlos. Like, yeah, that, you know, that, that's fine, buddy. And it's, they are kind of like um, lucid moments. <laughs> You're like, is this real? But yeah, I just say classic kind of say yes to everything approach perfect man great attitude and of course we've listed off some massive names there and massive life experiences massive things that you've done for work do you have and can you pinpoint a highlight of your entire career well i'd say the goa thing was was very satisfying on a number of fronts right because it was the first time we'd really convinced our our then eccentric ceo to part with some money to actually to to do something we wanted to do we had an an in at the football club through someone else on the on the commercial team and I'd always been fascinated with India. Like it was on my bucket list, let's say at the top of my bucket list. So I had a vested interest to kind of really get it over the line. Mm. And we ended up only, you know, flying 11 hours to go somewhere for three days is a trip in itself. Yes. So I would love to have gone out there for longer and Goa is actually, it's still very retains a lot of its, uh, you know, imprints from like colonialism so you know, there's a portuguese colony for a long long time st- strong elements of catholicism still out there you see it in the architecture you see it in in, in various other walks of life so it's kind of like india light because there's a western the mm. western hint about it and there's also a large russian population out there as well uh bizarrely I, I don't i couldn't tell you why so i didn't feel like i'd one i didn't feel like i was there for long enough and two it didn't feel like you know true India but it was still a great introduction didn't really realize how big Virat Kohli was while we're interviewing Matt out there gotta say that was that was like a moment of serendipity like he goes like two or three times a season and we just happened to be there at the same time as him And and they said yeah do you want to interview him and we were like sure you know cool if again one of those things where it's it's going to require an hour, two hours more prep than we had factored in. And it might have been a little bit of a ball ache doing that on the go. But we're like, yes, yes. It's going to add to the videos. We don't really know what the vlog is going to be about at this point, how mm. it's going to take shape. So we might as well have more footage than we need. And then <laughs> obviously Virat Kohli is, is like their version of David Beckham, right, over there in, in the cricket world. I mean, if not on a larger scale, because there's billions of people who kind of revere him. Mm. So that was really cool, a really cool chance encounter and I, I would say it was it was satisfying doing after feeling like you've given so much of your own time uh, or, or more time than you contractually obliged to this to this project and maybe not you know, you know feeling a little bit shortchanged at the start financially speaking because you know you're independent and you, and you have that part on parcel. Uh, it was nice to get something sanctioned because I because I wanted it but obviously we still had to justify it, but it was nice to tie that in with a sound enough business reason to go out there and do it. So that was kind of like claiming, claiming one, one for me and one for the team. So so that was a, that was a good moment. Fantastic, mate. I want to move on now to the more staple questions from the show and ask you if you could pinpoint your favorite city in the entire world. (laughs) a Favourite city. That is such a, such a good question, isn't it? And you think I'd be better prepared. (laughs) I mean, Rome springs to mind straight away because I don't think there's many places like Rome. You know, like, I'm a big fan of history. Like, I used to be, did it A-level. I watched, you know, the World War II in colour documentaries on Netflix. Yeah. I've just started watching one of the Roman Empire. Maybe that's why it's kind of eating it, its way into my subconscious. Yeah. But Rome, there just isn't many places like that where you're walk, walking down every street and everything feels ancient. Mm, absolutely. And that's pretty cool uh, and when i last went there celtic beat lazio 2-1 at the olympico which again might have something to do with it we were sat with the lazio fans and the security god let, lets all of my friends through. i i roped in three mates to go with me he stops me and he says you're english aren't you and i was like yeah and he said are you a celtic fan and I was like, of all the people, like I actually asking the one person who's a Celtic fan, are they a fan in the group? And I was oh, like, Well, can you smell it on me or something? What's, <laughs> what's this all about? And I said, No, I'm just a, am actually studying here and I just came to sample the atmosphere. Oh, uh, and as such, he you know, he let me in. We were stopped a few times by the Lazio fans to say, like, oh, where are you guys from? And <laughs> when you say London and Leicester, you know, in a in a in a London and Leicester accent, it's not too hard to convince people otherwise so, yeah. i mean I, i'm sure if i'd said i'm from london in a thick laswegian accent it might have been yeah. a problem i think two people have been stabbed in the arse with like shivs oh. that morning which is it is a odd pastime of, of lazio <laughs> ultras uh, so i didn't really fancy getting stabbed in the arse <laughs> Don't <play me> best. <laughs> so, so so i was pretty delighted to get the win and to get out of there and then we found this little restaurant on the way back which um we were like all right, let's just check the Google reviews for this place because it looks, like, shanty. It's it's a top Portland just nailed to the side of the house, basically. And it was, it was, like, 4.8 on Google reviews from (laughs) 5,000 reviews. Wow. And we were, we were sat there saying to ourselves, we just stumbled across a, past the gold mine. And it was (laughs) unbelievable. So everything about that trip sort of, you know, came together. Yeah, I I think... I think Rome's probably a good candidate for that. Brilliant. Do you like doing city breaks? Is it something which you try and do regularly? Yeah, but I don't I, I think that shouldn't be your main this is gonna sound a bit bougie now, isn't it? I don't think that should be your main holiday. If if you need agree, to, if you need to relax, a city break's <laughs> yeah. probably not the one because you can Intense. you come back feeling knackered, don't you? And <laughs> rightly so. Like if you if you've done it right, you should be knackered. But I do love them. Little bursts here and there. i much prefer that than than a week lying on a sunbed in mm. in awesome so rome's your favorite city what about a favorite country i do like the spanish culture yeah the siestas and tapas and ordering a beer and getting eight small things to eat amazing! (laughs) in the south along with that i think it's only in the south that they still do that fiscally it doesn't really make sense i guess i guess they might not do it now with 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 covid and that but (laughs) but yeah being in the south and there's and there's still loads of um that that culture is pretty prominent it is cool So, so spain's definitely up there i need to have a think favorite country i also am much more amenable to the to the french than a lot of british people like okay I don't I don't understand the, the general problem with them or in the north yeah maybe a little bit more standoffish in the south a bit more wily a bit more vibrant like marseille mm. was a pretty cool city you know a little bit edgy as well yeah it's impossible to say like this the states as well it's effectively 50 small countries yeah, it it? Really I'm, I'm I'm, I'm going to go for s- s- spanish culture uh, yeah. as, as a as a, a knee jerk sort of reaction to that question yeah nice do you have any stories from times in spain which you could relive fantastic trip to barcelona uh, that was a, a gift from my girlfriend and a little stadium tour of of barcelona Lovely. I, remember, I remember at the time i think it was after like one or two years this probably ties with your, your previous point well working at football daily and i went there and it was it was so jarring just stopping working in that manner Mm. all together for like four or five days, I actually found myself out there, really anxious, really like fidgety. Mm. Didn't adjust to being on holiday from from being at work, and it not that it tainted the trip, but I'd like to go back because I felt on edge. I remember being on an edge mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. trip, the first the first real trip after after kind of making a good fist of it with Football Daily. But yeah, I'd say going back to the sort of. Our stuff, staff, uh, the festival stuff. I, I I really want to go to Madrid as well. Great city. I've been, yeah, I've been Madrid and and more of the south right, where it's like fifty degrees and just awesome. that clean into my veins, mate. Great country, and I think it's the first time anyone said Spain as well. So that's nice. Brand new answer. Nice. So that's you've it. obviously lived in the US. Would you say lived? Would you say yeah. you lived there? So what was it? Twelve, 12 in total. Twelve weeks. So, so I wouldn't know. I was just. It was an extended. Okay. I was a yeah, very much a visit up. Yeah, I was gonna say, so you've 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 gone away for an extended period of time and yeah. obviously you've been drawn away there by the film school. Mm. Have you ever wanted to live abroad? Has that ever been something which has been on your radar? So yeah, originally at university, um I, I my original degree was filmed with Chinese studies with a year okay. with a with a view to doing a year in China. Wow. And then I was absolutely tragic at Mandarin because I was playing eight hours of FIFA for a day and practicing <laughs> Mandarin for about 37 minutes before I gave up with it. Like one small <laughs> flick of the wrist changes a a, a symbol from mum to horse. And I just <laughs> the, the intricacy was just doing my you know doing my head in um why mandarin it goes back to this kind of like sense of adventure and when i was looking at the courses i just thought how out there Mm. and that appealed to me and it felt like that would be if if i could sort of master or the basics of the language that that puts you in such good stead career-wise Because it's such you know, it's still quite unique to be able to speak Mandarin uh, in Europe, I guess, comparatively speaking. And yeah, I wasn't I wasn't ready or disciplined for how hard it was. I was it was a complete and complete and utter failure. <laughs> and I dropped it. Like I dropped that bit of my degree just to go f- uh, straight film after the first year, after my soft fail in, in Mandarin. So have you ever been to China? No, no, no. it's not it, it materialise. Maybe it's scarred me for life. I'd like to, so a, a close friend of mine is moving to to Hong Kong. I know that's not strictly China, mm. but um, I, I, I anticipate going to Hong Kong next year to see him. So that that would be quite nice to, yeah, to get that one in the bag. Awesome. And um, food, obviously a massive part of why people travel, massive part of the cultures in different countries too. Would you consider yourself a foodie? Mate, do you watch Somebody Feed Phil? Some, but no. No, I've seen, it. I've seen it on Netflix. Oh, advertised. mate. You need to get you need to get yeah, on it. It's it gets... so good. It is so good. Obviously, this this like nervous, 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 like elderly Jewish man. And at, at first, as such, you think maybe this is a show for like my parents. Yeah, but it's actually <laughs> class. It's so so good. Like, me and Lauren absolutely inhaled it. Awesome. And as as such, I think it's made me want to tie in food a little bit more with travel. Awesome. Before it wasn't really a motivation mm. you know it was it was i'm open to trying the native delicacies but didn't really like you just said for a lot of people that is a main driver for me mm. it wasn't you know wasn't, wasn't really a, a big deal i gotta say when i went to lisbon the food mm. there was incredible oh, so good isn't it because so fresh and you're like mm, do i want like a like sardines like sardines are a bit like i've had them in a cone in chroma they're (laughs) gnarly i don't want them why does this guy keep offering them to me saying they're the best thing on the on the menu you have them and you're like ah like i've never tasted like sardines like that before (laughs) so yeah lisbon incredible obviously the timeout food hall there, amazing isn't it yeah class uh obviously the the natters did you have the natters while you're out there yep yeah absolutely yes it has to be done just like four in one guy. Yep. Just decadence, mate. Pure <laughs> gluttony. Put about yeah six like pounds on while I'm out there. Pounds? Do the, the English people say yeah, pounds? I reckon you can go pounds. Yeah. I've been watching too, too much so many Yeah, And Reykjavik, actually. Have you been to Iceland? Have you been to Reykjavik? No, I've never been to Iceland. Never. I, I seem to be kind of drawn to the, the warmer countries. Mm. I kind of... Do not deal well with being cold. So as a yeah. result, I've, oh, I've actually gone, never been to Scandinavia. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely somewhere I need to go. I feel like, especially doing this podcast as well, people kind of come on with the expectation I've been everywhere, and there are very <laughs> many gaps in my in my list of places to go. So would you recommend? Yeah, Reykjavik got those ambitions though. Yeah, Reykjavik was. It's expensive. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of bit more pre planning to to make sure you're not getting your pants absolutely pulled yeah. down when you when you get there. Like. <laughs> the where we were staying was like half an hour from the airport and one taxi wanted to charge me 90 pounds to take me there and i was like, "I will fucking walk mate before i pay you 90 so pounds and like two coach tickets there were like 36 pounds so you know little things like that there are there are little traps to av- avoid because it is an expensive country because it can afford to be right mm yeah the people little not not cold but just like friendly yeah i'd say like hospitable but everything things feel, felt a little bit more clinical you know yeah. like in spain or italy it can feel like a little bit of a a mesh of things or you know your food can come late but you don't mind because you've had four yeah. beers like the service is on point there the food is on point it's so fresh mm. uh everything just like uh, the the air is crisp, the water's cold. Like it's one of it's one of those ones where if you want a total gear change, it's really nice. It was the same in Copenhagen actually. Copenhagen the food was fucking spot on, man. So you've obviously spoken about Lisbon Reykjavik, and now Copenhagen. Where would you say it's the best place for food that you've ever been? I'm gonna go Copenhagen, you know. Okay. Go late on. entry. Late late Spandling. entry. What kind of foods? It's just I'm not. I'm not a foodie, so I couldn't tell you what like clashes of okay. of yeah. cuisine they, they were or anything. But there's, I think there's a bit of a, a movement out there now, particularly around like brunches, really elaborate mm. brunches. And we've got some good recommendations. I, w- I will say that. But you know, you go to one of these brunches, and then there's there's a big like craft brewery movement out there as well now. And you you're, you're around the corner from a big tap house and. And you can sort of see out the whole day, you know, eating and, and drinking. Amazing. <laughs> and they're within 50 yards of one another. <laughs> so the public transport's really good in Copenhagen as well. And I just remember uh, the best scrambled eggs I've ever had. I, and I'm a huge egg fiend, even though apparently I'm allergic to them. Hens, eggs, <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I'm like Patrice Everett, man. I'm allergic to them. But I'll continue to eat them. The best scrambled egg I've ever had in Copenhagen. Just love What's so special about them? fluffy i are oh, just magical because it's mm. so it it's, it's it's they're easy to do hard but hard to elevate right uh, did i say you know they're yeah they're easy to easy to mess up sorry and, and hard to elevate but yeah. this yeah this place so dainty and the, te, the and the combination of, of foods was just was just unreal uh it's it's, it's a little bit more like scientific i okay. suppose yeah, yeah yeah i get that like yeah it's it's a little bit like what's you know like bloody heston, heston. Is, is there like food deity or something <laughs> like they've taken all their nods from him yeah so is is there a holiday or place or trip that means the most to you Never good question never really good question means the most because it's just not that's not the best is it no i think probably south africa last year with with my closest friends so there was seven seven of us and the main reason we went out there is because um, it, was, it tied in with one of my mates mum's fiftieth, and she wasn't very well, and it's sort of going to be her last birthday. Uh, and sort of being introduced to their family, um, their close friends was was really nice. You know, some touching moments. I don't I don't speak to them still, but I'm like they're going back then next year to get married, and I'm you know really looking forward to to seeing some of them, particularly this this old guy called Mark, fought in the in the Boer Wars some of his political views you know not so great but we but still a great drinking buddy which i feel like that could be said about a lot of south african people to be perfectly honest (laughs) completely generalizing there but um that was a like a holiday that i was able to you know save for Mm. plan for take quite comfortably knowing that work was going to be okay in the background taken care of we've got a good team who know what they're doing and it was um like a really relaxed trip Nice pace. Went on safari for the first time, and there was nothing. Maybe like using bar- that Barcelona trip, where I felt really anxious as a, as a reference. It was like uh, completely the other end of the spectrum. I mean, when I lost our Airbnb key and we had to go and stay in a hotel, there was like three hundred pounds sleeping for like f- for four hours oh. in uh, in in Cape Town. You got you can't be wandering around the streets uh, in Cape Town looking oh. for somewhere to stay. At four o'clock in the morning, as as, four, as seven, very pissed up, you know, British people. So it was my fault. I was like, that sticker on my card. Literally Whoa. slept there for like two and a half hours, and yeah, set me back a fair whack. On the very last night before we flew out, flying home with that feeling hanging. So it ended in complete dismay. But it's a funny story now to to, to touch upon. But uh, that that was a that was a pretty special trip. Yeah, amazing. What's it like to go on a safari then? In- incredible you kind of run out of superlatives for mm. you being that close to an elephant, right? You just feel like Richard Attenborough. You feel like an explorer. Richard? David, David Richard's David his brother. I'm, you know, I went to film school. I feel like Richard. So yeah, seeing those animals in the flesh. Great. I mean, we were doing things like putting our head out the window, which is apparently a big no, no. Um, <laughs> I can't think about, well. I can't think why. Well. Yeah. But you don't feel, you feel like you're driving through the wilderness and, and this road, and these loose structures that you know punctuate the wilderness every thousand meters mm. means that you're safe and you're not yeah. like some woman was apparently dragged out of a car by a cheetah Bloody hell. and then there's me like catching the breeze in my hair like a fucking <laughs> dog so yeah there's definitely you learn your safari decorum before you go so <laughs> you don't end up on a facebook page i think there's like this facebook page is pages dedicated to stupid people on safari which i'm sure i qualified for big time (laughs) but absolutely incredible um it's the first time i've probably played golf and really really enjoyed it as well yeah i had like the perfect round of golf out there (laughs) i really beat two people at golf all the time i'm just like every you know three four months maybe probably not even that and had glorious greens smashing it down the fairway down down the middle driving the golf buggy around and and, and just, you know, basking in the 30 degree heat. Yeah, it's class. Sounds like a dream. Let's keep it positive then um, before we go and find the negative aspects of travel. Love it. Where is a place that you could always get back to? Lake Tahoe in okay. California. That was that was a bit, being a lad from Leicester. So I, I don't know why our school, our school, the school I went to is now shut down as a... Like somewhere that takes year 10 and 11 I think it's a specialist sixth form college now it was like it was not a great school it wasn't a bad school mm. and there's some really good teachers there but it wasn't great you know a little bit underfunded served a lot of uh, rough areas but they put on i think it's probably the teachers because they got to go unbelievable tree. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and it was yeah. like we go from Goff South Wixton in Leicester like the <laughs> arse end of Leicester to California and when you take a Maybe. bunch of Kids from that environment over to California, it's just like, hold on. So, there's a place that exists in the world where I can be skiing in a t shirt, and then an hour later, I could theoretically be on a beach. Amazing, and, and that's when you think, why the fuck wasn't I raised here? Why did my mom and dad live here? Why don't they do everything they could have done to get out here? Like, the quality of life is unreal. Obviously, it's you know, America is. The quality of life's great if you're middle class or if you've got mm. money the social support I maybe it's changing you know not 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 so great but being in California and realizing that like some people that's that's some people's lives mm. that they that they ski just for something to do at the weekend <laughs> you know <like>, what <laughs> ridiculous yeah proper ridiculous so I, I could always I've I have not been there since I was 17 but I definitely definitely like to go back. Oh don't blame you mate I could go there now yeah so killer. we travel everyone talks about the positive aspects and especially i kind of feel like that in covid when we think about travel we think about all these amazing elements and all the things Mm. it brings us but we all know that travel can be really shit sometimes as well and there's some awful times that we've experienced traveling (laughs) is is there a place that you would never go back to because of an experience you've had you know what sprint i'm gonna go with what comes to mind first it's dubai like i don't get i don't get the big deal with dubai people love it and went there and it was soulless it was to see my girlfriend's sister graduate she worked for fly emirates so admittedly we didn't do the cultural stuff if there was cultural stuff to do went to Mm. kite beach went to soup madonna i think it was called which was which was the coolest part but um yeah it's 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 like a country in the middle east trying to i don't know build the 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 most glamorous aspects of u.s and western europe Mm. like in 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 that state right and as such like nothing really felt authentic to me Mm. uh and i was just thinking like people were clamoring to get out here and i'm i feel fortunate i'm here that i've got to witness it sample the wares but i just would not spend the money it takes to get back out there mate yeah no i get that mate i I do agree with you and to finish us off a bucket list do you have a bucket list first of all i've actually i've in lockdown the second lockdown I think because I want to plan, you know, next year. Yeah. I want to feel like there's going to be a sense of wonder yeah. <laughs> event next year. I've started to I've started to bank some places I want to go to in my head for sure. Awesome. And what tops that list? At the minute it's it's still Brazil. Okay. Awesome. I'd like to tie in a, a trip to Argentina as well. You know, sample those steaks. Yeah, they are the place to so barbecue Red meaty culture out there that 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 appeals. And Japan. So it's probably yeah. those three at the minute. Well, thank you, Chris, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. So many amazing stories. And yeah, thank lovely. you very much for taking the time to come on as well. I really appreciate it. No, nah, mate, my pleasure. Thank you for uh, inviting me on. So there we go. That was episode 14 with Chris Hamill. And it was fascinating to listen to Chris talk about the role that travels played in his life. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, why not reach out to me on Instagram at Travel Talks Podcast. I love hearing from everyone and interacting with you guys. So just leave me a comment or send me a direct message. And if you want to go one step further, you can always leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Getting new people to listen to the podcast is really, really difficult at these early stages. So doing this helps bump us up the chance and reach new listeners. So if you could do that for me, that would really mean a lot. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. And next week, I'll be back with another amazing guest.